if you do too. Consists of recreations of old ceremonies that have been practiced for centuries. We recreate the ceremonies of the Knights Templars, a noble group of gentlemen who, because of social pressures, made it very obvious that they were the standard bearers of Christianity. We feel that in the light of what society has shown us in the last year or two, we have pretty much uh, exemplified what the Knights Templars were doing, except we, of course, climate-wise, don't have to worry about calling ourselves Christians. We call ourselves Satanists. We recreate many of these ceremonies. We also recreate many of the ceremonies of the West Indian Voodoo religion. And uh, we also will utilize Norse ritual, the casting of the runes, calling upon a Wotan, and Thor, Loki, and all of the gods and demigods of the northern region. The base Church of Satan was perhaps the most influential body in defining the modern cultural perceptions of Satanism. All of the theatrics, the media stunts, they were all done to make a necessary statement. LeVay set out to make his group the antagonist or adversary to Christianity. The rituals he did, the books he wrote, the philosophy he created, much of it is just a satire of things that already exist in Christianity. Well, it occurred to me for many, many years that there was a uh, large gray area between psychiatry and religion that uh, was untapped and no religion had ever been based on man's carnal needs or his fleshly pursuits. All religions are based on abstinence rather than indulgence and all religions therefore have to be based on fear. Well we don't feel... Alright, <clears throat> let's talk about that. If Christianity is based on fear then why does it say more than 30 sometimes in the Bible not to fear and not to worry. So yes, the fear of the Lord will make you want to serve the Lord because you know he's real and you respect his deity. But that's a natural fear, like not wanting to jump off a cliff, you know? But they twist it. You know, Satan likes to invert and twist everything from God's rainbow to fear of the Lord to all of it. If you are a believer, I walked in fear for half my life, and it sucks. And I'm so glad God removed fear from me before COVID because I would probably be a mask-wearing idiot. But instead, he walked me through all my fears and then took me to the other side and showed me not to fear, not to worry, to trust in him because he can conquer all things. Anyways, I had to throw that in there because... This just shows you how their doctrine is full of crap. And I'm going to get to the part where he's accused of knocking up his daughter at, in eighth grade at 13. So I believe if she had her first kid at 13, how many other kids did she have? Where are they? Who are they? And I'm going to connect some of those dots by the time we're done with this episode. Anyways, let's continue on with this moron who's probably burning in hell right now, which he chose. Fear is necessary to base a religion on. <clears throat> the fact that religions for thousands of years have been uh, telling people what they should do and what they shouldn't do according to the basic whims of a person who might be running the show is very understandable. We're realists, we Satanists, but we also feel that a person has to be good to themselves before they can be good to other people. So we feel the greatest sin of all is self-deceit. This is a very selfish religion. We believe in greed, we believe in selfishness, we believe in all of the lustful thoughts that motivate man because this is man's natural 
uh, feeling. And that's this why you're a pedophile. Based on what man naturally would do. You all of this during a fairly conservative time in America. So people were expectedly not happy about this. It must be said that LeVay and his followers were pretty bold at the time. Howard Stanton LeVay was born on April 11th, 1930. He hailed, unintended, from Chicago, but spent the majority of his life in the San Francisco Bay Area. LeVay seemed, by all accounts, a normal child. He was very talented at playing music, which he continued to do as he got older. <laughs> I believe it when he says that he dropped out of high school to become a carny. For my non-American friends, a carny refers to a traveling circus worker, and the stigma is that they're usually weird. I believed that LeVay made a living as both a psychic and as an organ player at nightclubs. That's about right. LeVay earned a reputation in his area for being kind of an occult rock star. He even lived in an all-black house, affectionately called the Black House, situated between two normie duplexes. In 1966, he changed his name officially to Anton LaVey, and he founded the Church of Satan on Walpurgis Night, a traditional night of revelry in Europe and Scandinavia. It was at this time that he declared himself the High Priest of the Church of Satan. The rituals that the church would perform included normal things like weddings and funerals, but also black magic and witchcraft. Oh yes, because I believe that ritual magic is a very powerful force. It has been practiced by primitive societies for centuries. It still is being practiced. And of course, applied psychology as we know it today in many forms is simply another word or another use of magic, except where the emotional appeal is not there, only the sterile clinical approach. One sometimes does not get the results. Yes, if by Becoming a witch, you mean practicing magic and sorcery. I think everyone is capable of learning this if they truly want to, if they have the desire to really change their lives. Of course, this is the most important thing, the desire to really change. Then they can utilize these formulas, and they are certainly very real formulas. There's nothing nebulous, there's nothing esoteric about them. They're just as much a formulated chain of events as mathematics, chemistry, or any of the other sciences. Do you guarantee results with things like love potions and hexes? I don't guarantee results, but I have naturally had many good workings, as I like to call them, and because of this I have had much repeat business. I've seen quite a bit of footage of Satanists talking about black magic pretty casually, so I went ahead and asked the Satanist that I was chatting with to clarify a little bit more of what that means. One of our key tenets is that all magic is black or satanic, and that all magic is done for the living, not for the afterlife. We specify that however much you think magic is real or just an exercise, the energy comes from the practitioner's use of symbols, not any separate sovereign deity. We literally had a pet lion, three children, Carla, pictured here with Tammy Faye, Xena, who bears an uncanny resemblance to Taylor Swift, and Satan, Xerxes, Carnacki, LeVay. And we'll catch up with them later in the video. In 1969, LeVay published the Satanic Bible. It is the central religious text in Satanism, and it is considered the foundation of its philosophy and dogma. Though the Satanic Bible is not considered to be sacred scripture in the way that the Christian Bible is to Christianity, LeVay and Satanists regard as an authoritative text. All that, LeVay has been accused of having ties to white supremacy, as well as being a bit of a misogynist. It has also been alleged that sections of the Satanic Bible have been outright plagiarized from the book Might is Right, which is a favorite book amongst 
white supremacists. Are the nine satanic statements and represents indulgence instead of abstinence. Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. Satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrate. Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. Satan represents responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires. Satan represents man just as another animal, sometimes better, more often worse than those who walk on all fours, who, because of his divine spiritual and intellectual development, has become the most vicious animal of all. Satan represents all of the so-called sins as they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had, as he has always kept it in business all these years. Essentially, they took in society's misfits, mocked Christianity, and partied all night long, while also occasionally engaging with seedier movements and ideals. It's boring. Yep, and they are dry and boring just like a Catholic mass. Now, if you have never listened to someone who has survived sexual SRA, it's called Satanic Ritual Abuse, and it's very uh, common in the world. <laughs> well, Kathy O'Brien talks about it, and they do black masses in the Vatican underneath it. So it is very tied and associated and boring. I w Why should church be boring? Why should learning about God be boring? I mean, I can understand Satan because he's just an idiot anyways, but it's just... I wish people understood then that they were right and the satanic panic wasn't made up. If you read articles, they're like, and nothing was proven except this, this, and this. It's like, you come on, are you kidding me, people? And still to this day, you know, we got the Johnny Goshes, all my podcasts about all these kids getting kidnapped, kidnapped, and kids coming out and talking about being trafficked to the White House, and nobody did a damn thing to this day, 2023, except for Donald Trump. Why do you think the world's after him? Why do you think there's a two-tiered justice system that you're seeing in front of your eyes? Because people need to wake up to the world around them and not what anybody says, not what I say, not what anybody, like look at the truth. Look, it's right in front of your eyes. Okay, I'm off my soapbox and back to this lady's great informational YouTube. Uh, her name is F-U-N-D-I-E Fry, F-R, Oh, Fridays. I don't really agree with half the stuff she says on here because she does her little side notes, so I'm not even playing those. But I will put the whole link in my description box below. All right, let's continue on. Attracted worldwide attention through the Church of Satan and through his creative ventures. He started with lectures, magic demonstrations, burlesque shows, until it all kind of snowballed into a full-blown phenomenon. Celebrities flocked to the Black House, including Jane Mansfield, Sammy Davis Jr., King Diamond, little baby Marilyn Manson. As time went on, the novelty of the Church of Satan kind of wore off, and the media had turned on them. In 1990, LaVey was interviewed by the FBI because they thought that the church had plotted to kill Ted Kennedy. And things only continued to get out of hand from there. Christian groups in particular were spreading rumors that the church was murdering people, performing animal sacrifices, and abusing children. What is referred to as the satanic panic. But in the 80s, Zena LaVey, now Zena Shrek, second daughter, became the de facto spokesperson for Satanism. LaVey refused to acknowledge a satanic panic and would keep quiet and just kind of hoped it would all go away. Zena says there is no truth to the news reports of satanic sacrifices and she says satanists are just getting a bad rap in the 80s you were the chief spokesperson for the church of satan and you were on television a great deal and for those of us in that time period i remember um this was a you know very huge topic and you were on television and radio quite often and i'm just wondering about um how you feel about how television influences society um and 
maybe times have changed somewhat, maybe not, but. Yeah, you mean in terms of how the media can manipulate situations or even fuel um, hysterias and things like that? Yeah, yeah, well, it was definitely a learning, uh, it was definitely a education for me um, and something that I was thrust into unexpectedly and un I was totally unprepared for. So as far as a, a crash course in how the media works, and what it can do to society, it was very eye-opening. Um, and seeing the behind the scenes of all of that was uh, n not only the unwanted education, but it was really, um, uh, in many ways, very hurtful, um, not only for myself, but to see how it can hurt innocent people from behind the scenes and also um, in the general public as well, because it has far-reaching effects, far-reaching rippling effects. So uh, that was uh, really quite astounding. Um, I forget that it had anything to do with Satanism per se, just the overall general phenomena of how the media can whip the public into a frenzy. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to talk about specifics um, because I know you've probably had good experiences and bad experiences and yeah. maybe more on the bad end of the scale yeah. in that time. And, yeah. and I remember there being, of course, I remember the hysteria, but I also remember it, as you're saying, heavily fueled by the media because, mm -hmm. of, of course, you know, where, where we live, um, this came to us through the television, right, this right. hysteria. We would have never really dream this up on our own. Yeah, um, exactly. And, it was uh, real. <laughs> I used to also also wonder if the people creating these television shows even had a conscience, basically, about what they were. I they think don't. they lose sight of what they're doing. I think they get so swept up. It, well, you have to remember, too, and this is something that Europeans often forget when they look to America for their entertainment sources. But uh, you have to remember that in America, being a capitalist society, that American television and media is so driven by the dollar that I was really caught up in all of this because being a young attractive woman uh, representing Satanism which was a very hot topic then uh, I was being grabbed up every time sweeps weeks which is the Nielsen ratings uh, came around and I was wasn't really aware of how that was happening until about three years into my tenure as High Priestess of the Church of Satan. So um, when you talk about, and this is true for everything in American society, the military, uh, the media, basically everything that runs and operates in America is governed by capitalism, is governed by how um, economics fuels that behind the scenes. And we have to remember that. So. Um, Whatever was going on in media in the so-called witch hunt or satanic panic of that era um, was really uh, being fueled by selling, by advertising and um, creating jobs, creating task forces. So this really opened my eyes to how the country worked on a whole new level that 
became really very frightening to me um, by the time I was ready to leave the country. So you feel like you were, in a way, pushed out of America by the media somehow, or were you, did you oh, feel yeah, like they absolutely. were? So how does all this end? Until his death, LeVay was giving interviews, performing ceremonial magic, and living his life quietly. Two days before Halloween in 1997, Anton LeVay died from pulmonary edema. The remainder of the church held a private satanic funeral for him, and soon after he died, there was turmoil surrounding how to move forward with his estate, as well as the fate of the church itself. Blanche Barton was LeVay's partner when he died. On November 7th, 1997, Carla LeVay, his first daughter, held a press conference to announce the death of her father. It was at this time that Barton and Carla LeVay announced that they would run the Church of Satan as co-high priestesses. Several days after LeVay's death, however, a handwritten will claiming that LeVay had left all of his belongings, property, writings, and royalties, including the Church of Satan, to be put in a trust exclusively for their son Xerxes, to be managed by Barton. Carla contested this will, which was later found to be invalid. A settlement was then reached in which LeVay's belongings, intellectual property, and royalties would be split among his three children, Carla, Zena, and Xerxes, and that Barton would receive the corporation known as the Church of Satan. It was at this time that Carla decided to continue her father's work by starting her own satanic organization, his memory called the First Satanic Church, running it out of San Francisco, just as her father had. In 1999, Barton led an unsuccessful campaign to raise $400,000 in which to save the Black House. They did not raise enough money, and the house was demolished. And now there are some shitty penthouses there. Barton remained high priestess until 2002, when she appointed Peggy Nedramia as high priest and assumed her previous role as chairmistress of the Council of Nine. Since then, Barton has written several books about her life in the church. We currently do not know how many people are active members because the church does not take a official census for privacy reasons. And here's my side note. It's because they're all celebrities and they want to try to be secret. That's why they're in secret societies. <laughs> Bunch of scumbags was LeVay's longtime partner and high priestess of the Church of Satan. He left LeVay and filed a restraining order against him in 1984. For 25 years, Diane held down the fort, so to speak, for the Church of Satan. She was the typist and the editor for the Satanic Bible and its companion books, as well as being in charge of the church's administrative, press, and member relations work. She is probably most known for being the blonde woman that's in all the stock images, videos concerning Satanism. According to Wikipedia, she has now dedicated her life to helping Stanton, that's Zena's son, with his career. Here they are at an art exhibit. I think it's easier raising a family with a, a moral code that is flexible. I think that, um, that virtue should not be based on uh, this standard, hackneyed, uh, trite moral code that we've been forced to live by. Anton's first child is still alive and is still a Satanist. Wikipedia says she promotes and sponsors live Satanic events and shows and concerts and hosts a weekly radio show. Here she is defending the Church of Satan from allegations that they somehow had something to do with Lacey Peterson's death. There has never been an account of anyone who has been a member of any organized Satanic religion that has committed a crime. Okay, now here is a question because from the police report, as I understand it, there is a discussion, there is someone who told police that in that neighborhood where Lacey Peterson disappeared, she was abducted into a brown van, she was raped, and some sort of satanic ritual was performed. Therefore, is it not relevant? Taya. We don't have any kind of satanic ritual in which there is any kind of harm. I'd be curious to know, Carla, if you have been contacted by police in this case. Well, actually, it would, it would yeah. mean that they're taking it seriously. No, and I haven't been contacted, and throughout my life, my, they have always come to my family. We've always shared any information, anything that anyone has sent to us in the mail that might lead to anything. 
Uh, my father was very much involved uh, in the police department. I myself have a degree in criminology. I've worked very closely with the police department, and there has been absolutely nothing. Okay. Which is pretty bizarre that, being it has been raised already, that they haven't even contacted her. It may, it may show that the, that the the police, the prosecution, really isn't keeping an open mind as to what happened in that case. Or perhaps it was already investigated and it has been ruled out as uh, something that we should look further into. Uh huh. Well, another part of what the defense is suggesting is that. They, Lacey and Connor may have been killed by a satanic cult because there's something about sacrificing children. Do you think that that would be part of a, a satanic church? The satanic church? Hang on, let me get to you. I'm getting over there. Stand up. Tell me why. Well, it depends. I mean, I, I'm not sure about what satanic uh, church beliefs you have, but it's possible that there are other people out there that, you know, like the gentleman on the right said, that just... Uh, that's the way they are. They want to go out and do these things, and they believe that's what they need to do in order to worship Satan. Cult is actually contradiction in terms. Satanism is a philosophy that basically believes in living your life to the fullest. We don't believe necessarily that there is an afterlife, so we don't live for an afterlife. But what do you feel, what do you believe about children? And harming children. Because animals and small children are the greatest natural magicians that there are, and we would do absolutely nothing to harm them, and that is stated in the Satanic Bible. It's one of our basic tenets. But a madman out there in the name, in a warped sense, in the name of a satanic cult and well, religion then, no. may no do something horrible. There's no such thing as a satanic cult because Satanism basically is all about rational free thinking. And we do not have cults. Cults are things like Jim Jones and Heaven's Gate. Right. We do not have anything that has anything to do with brainwashing. Mm -hmm. The killing of anybody is, is inconsistent with the notion of rational We're, thinking. We are a law and order organization, and everyone that's a part of it knows it. Zena Shrek, Anton's second child, is estranged from the family and has completely renounced Satanism. She claims that LaVey and the rest of the adults in the house were lazy and that she had to raise herself, eventually becoming a mother at age 13. We spoke about how hated they were in her neighborhood and how people would throw things including bombs at their house and that she would have to transcribe these really violent voicemails to the police. Tina says that she has PTSD from her childhood and does not associate with anyone from the church. Xerxes LeVay, Anton's only son, is still alive and that's all I know about him. He doesn't seem to have an online presence and you know what? I don't blame him. So now that we have a better understanding of this LeVay's family and how they are still very much alive and still very much running the satanic show, I want to tie in a few characters here. So Zena, who used to be a speaker who supposedly turned against it, who's now a Buddhist, which by the way still isn't the... whatever, I'm not here to, to preach. I am here though to say that she still is lost, in my opinion, and still very much... But you know what? When you come so deep into satanic ritual stuff and all that, oh, I have to read you guys something I just found on her website, too, which confirms her dad was molesting her, in my opinion. So let me play that for you. Or not even play it. I have to read it, and I'll put the link in the description box. Okay, so Zena, now she doesn't go by LeVay. She goes by her married, uh, of her ex-husband's last name. So... This is her website. It's Z-E-E-N-A Shrek, S-C-H-R-E-C-K.com. And this article is called Halloween Article Lucifer's Daughter in the Richmond District. And it's dated um, Halloween of 2018. And this is what she wrote. The Blow article was originally posted in San Francisco News Group's For Halloween by Jeff Ferris, who shares firsthand impressions of Xena in early life. Ferris and Zena attended the same school, yet have never met. 
Many thanks to Ms. Ferris for allowing us to reprint his article here and, af and a forward from Zena follows this article. And then the article's titled Lucifer's Daughter in Richmond District by Jeff Ferris. And it shows a picture of sweet little girl, probably about two to three, with that tiger, huge tiger that they lived with. And it just goes on to say, San Francisco and California, between 23rd and 24th Avenue, Richmond, uh, there was once a house, and it just talks about the black house. Um, he ended up going to school with her, right? So he's writing this article in a perspective of how he felt and why he kept following her life as she grew. And that's the part that touched me the most. That's the part I'm going to read y'all. So it says, you might be familiar with Anton LaVey, but his daughter Zena that I am most curious about today. Anton, who died in 1997, seemed more like an opportunist and a showman than that of a bona fide Satanist. <laughs> Wrong there, buddy. But not Zena. She was destined for a much more televised profile than her father, becoming the official spokesperson for the Church of Satan in the mid-1980s, during the days of what now is called the Satanic Panic, wherein born-again Christian fundamentals and the U.S. media sensationalized what they said was a rampant Satanic ritual abuse all across America. And then the media squashed it and made it like Christians were nuts. So they played along and made everybody go along with it. Instead, we should have stopped it back in the 1980s. Now it's 2023, and it's worse, way worse than it was in 1980. 10,000 times worse. I mean, this guy was molesting his daughter in the freaking 60s, and now it's the 80s. And then now, fast forward 2023, can you imagine how much they've progressed in their ritual abuse? So, uh, anyways, back to the article. It says that, uh, Christian fundamentalists and U.S. media sensationalized what they said was rampant satanic ritual abuse all across America, especially towards children. Actually, there was really none happening at all. All right, pausing there. Not true. We have the Hampstead cover-up of those two kids that came out and told their mom. Kid was taken away, put with his father, and uh, still to this day, tra trafficked. I mean, the mom's... Oh, poor thing. I think she's out in Ukraine or Russia somewhere. Um, dad's all mixed with the, all these people, Hollywood, Super Bowls. Uh, we got the Franklin cover-up with Johnny Gosh. We got... we. I could just go on. We have the daycare where there was tunnels found underneath eventually where they tried to say that was fake. Even in the, his article, as I'll go on, it says, some say that it was a modern day witch hunt fueled by rumors and hearsay. It was true, but it was not without serious repercussions when innocent citizens, mostly teachers and staff from 19 daycare centers and pre-based uh, and preschools were convicted and even imprisoned based upon fabricated testimony of toddlers. <laughs> Oh, so now they're saying the toddlers are lying because yeah, kids kids know what that is. Well, how would they even know what to? If I have a toddler right now and if she was able to tell me that, I would believe it because she would know otherwise. You know what I mean? I never do my podcast in front of her. I always do it when she's sleeping. So no, I, I don't buy this. And therapists who said they uncovered memories of ritual abuse after hypnotizing previous students. Basically, Christians giving false testimony and acting more like Satan than, well, Satan. <laughs> this guy might. How do you, how can you tell a Satanist when he says Christians are more like Satan than Satan? So he goes on to say how Zena was invaluable during this time, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to read about this. Okay, here, I'm going to the last paragraph. Zena was one year younger than I, born in 1963, and we went to the same middle school, uh, Presdio Junior High on 30th Avenue between 
Geary and Clement. I remember her as a very attractive young girl with sensuous lips and almost every present furrowed brow. Oh, sweet girl. I didn't know her personally, but being at her father being that her father was somewhat famous or better yet infamous San Franciscan, everyone knew she was who she was, even I. She got pregnant in the eighth grade at the age of thirteen, which didn't help her reputation at all. Vicious rumors went around school stating that it was her father who had impregnated her. Kids can be so mean, but to my knowledge, not one of them had the guts to confront Zena personally. We were afraid of her clan, and no one was brave enough to start trouble with Lucifer's very own baptized child, would you? So then um, he go, he keeps talking about how he followed her, blah, blah, blah. I'm, now I'm going to read you what she wrote back. And so instead of saying, no, my father didn't do that, she basically confirms what he wrote. Okay, so she says, and afterward by Zena. Thank you, Jeff, wherever you are. Though it's true we never met nor shared any words in those years, I never forgot a face and knew it was you because you still look the same some 40 years later. You are correct that most people didn't have the guts to speak to me then in school unless antagonistically. The same character traits usually remain on into adulthood. People who refuse to educate themselves about what they are frightened of find comfort in remaining ignorant. So thank you for your curiosity to educate yourself and for your candid recollections. As you alluded to, I have found peace and contentment. When we have peace within ourselves and develop interestic happiness and relinquish hope for interestic sources of happiness, we have peace and joy wherever and in whatever situations we find ourselves. Wishing you all a fantastically happy Halloween, Zena. So this podcast has taken me approximately three days to to record, and as those three days have passed, I've done more and more research on this whole family, and I find it so interesting, my conspiracy theory with Zena, because she was Anton LaVey's daughter, who he publicly, satanically baptized, which made her probably some type of... I don't know, goddess child in their family. He clearly was sleeping with his own daughter by the time she's 13. So she's having his child. Now I just found the obituary of this child. I think she had with her dad and I'm going to read it to you real quick. This obituary is the most creepy obituary I've ever read in my entire life. It is from Valley Memorial Park Cemetery and Funeral Home. Uh, Apparently this is, Stanton, so S-T-A-N-T-O-N, if you take out that first T, it's basically Satan. If you take out the T's, it's Satan, and that's too cross-interesting anyways. His middle name is Zardoff, Z-A-H-A-R-O-F-F, and his last name was LeVay. He was born January 18th, 1978, so the same year I was born. And he um, died December 19th, 2022. And his obituary reads... It is with heavy hearts that we announce the passing of, I'm going to call him Stanton, because I think that's what they called him, Zerhoff LeVay, age 44. Stanton was beloved husband, father, and friend. He was larger-than-life villain in the eyes of some and a hero in the eyes of many. Stanton was brilliant writer, an intellectual genius, and talented in the arts. Never was there a dull moment with Stanton. Like the tattoo he had across his chest, Lucifer, 
He was a shining beacon of light in the lives of those who knew him. He was not afraid to speak truth, and he knew how to have a fun time, and he embodied good and evil. He had a doctorate in satanic theory and was presented to him by his grandfather, listen up, and father figure, Anthony LaVey, the author of the Satanic Bible and the creator of modern sat Satanism. Never again will... Blah, 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 I don't bother with that, how they think he's so great. Uh, he will survive... He has a wife. Her name's Sharon. And they apparently he left behind two sons. His godfather, Richard Lamparski, and his extended family. Um, so, yeah, he just passed away. And he looks exactly like his dad and mom. It's so freaking creepy. So then... Yesterday, I heard this interview, which I'm going to play you right now, of her of um, Zena talking about this common thread of occultism, which is this Kenneth Anger, who I believe is a lot of the filming of this dark side. Um, thank God he's dead. Kenneth didn't die until 2023. Dang, he was born in 1927, and he didn't die until May 11th, 2023, and he was an underground underground experimental filmmaker, and we're going to get into this creep. But I'm going to play you real quick as we end this, a clip of Zena talking about how she thinks of him as an uncle, this pervert, this disgusting pervert. And then um, we are going to talk about who I've connected that might also be her daughter, that the only reason I've made this connection is because they look alike and they sound alike. And they're both occult. Uh, you know, this other chick that I think her daughter, wait for it, I'm not telling you yet, um, just got a new Netflix. I just found this out today. I cannot make this up. I really, truly believe she had more than that one boy that they let her keep. I believe every kid after him they took, especially because they were probably girls, and they made them high priestess all across our country. And yeah, that's my theory and I'm sticking to it until someone proves me wrong. So here's Zena talking about Kenneth Anger and that wasn't his real name. His real name was Kenneth Wilbur Engelmeyer, but you know, he had to go with the Kenneth Anger for the appeal of it all because he's a real peach. Since in my early formative years artistically, uh, it I guess I would be remiss if I didn't mention a, a one figure that was very dominant in my childhood, <clears throat> Kenneth Anger, which I think most people who know me know how prominent uh, he is in my life, or was was in my life. I haven't seen him, actually, in quite a long time. But um, when I was growing up, uh, he was like a part of the family. So he was, um, you could say, my godfather, and even though that's a, sort of a contradiction in terms, but um, we used to call him Uncle Ken. And so when he would stop by the house, we'd always sort of jokingly refer to him as Uncle Ken. And um, when he would stay with us, um, because my parents were notoriously night owls, you know, they would sleep until five in the afternoon or something. But Ken never slept. I mean, he, he was always, uh, he was always, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's like he, he was the only person that would be awake with me in the morning. So he would take me out early in the morning and we would go to Union Square. We'd, you know, go around San Francisco early in the morning. And um, I remember in my early years when he would be 
working on the um, American edition of Hollywood Babylon, him bringing the things that he would be um, cutting and pasting together for that edition to our house and spreading it out all over the table and um, having that influence around me. And he always used to say to me repeatedly, um, oh, Zena, I'm going to put you in a movie and you're going to be my fairy princess. I'm going to have you play my fairy princess. So anyway, I brought a little um, something, a little uh, artifact, but it's from Ken, from, from their uncle Ken. <laughs> and it says, Der Pest fishes von der uncle Ken. And then here it says, um, Coleman met their Friesen here. <laughs> so it was obviously freezing in Berlin when he sent this to me in the same year that I met Mae West. So there's a little anecdotal story. You, I could keep this podcast going for ever, I feel like. It could be a five-hour podcast, so I need to end it soon. But I do want to wrap up or tie together, I guess I should say, why, she, why does she have all these connections to Charles Manson? Okay, super, super interesting. Um, so she did the movie that I'm watching right now with Charles Manson called Charles Manson the Superstar and now she's dropping merch that she's releasing. This is back in 2013 when this interview was done, um, March 18th. That's on the, um, it's on her own YouTube page, zenashrek.com YouTube page or whatever. So anyways, she's out, she's public, she has all her information out here, she's not trying to hide nothing. But for some reason, her husband or ex-husband, I'm not sure if they're married right now. I thought they got divorced after this. But back then, they did lots of interviews together. And he he was a Satanist, too, of this um, werewolves, I think it was. And he's still on all her CDs and all the, and these interviews. And he put this out. Um, a couple of extra tracks on that. And then the Manson file, Nicholas's book, The Manson File is also out. It's been out for a year now and it has all, all of the illustrations and the Manson file I did. I did the cover as well. And it's from a suite of collages that I made entitled God Bless Charles Manson. Before I revealed to you the age, you know, what it had to been, been to have the two kids that I'm tying to her, Taylor Swift and this other girl who I will now tell you her name. It, it took me all day to think of it. I could not think of it for the life of me. So the other gal that I've linked to Zena just based off voice, uh, the job they have for her, how she's promoted through the media, how she looks just like her, sounds just like her, um, is, wait for it, Teal Swan. And she was born Mary Till Bods Bosworth in 84, June 16th, 1984. So if she, when she was born... Zena would have been 21 um, at that age. So I just find that very interesting. She looks like Taylor Swift. She looks like Teal. I'm just going to play you a clip, just clip of Teal's voice, um, just so you can hear it. So I'm going to play you. I just played you Zena. Go back and listen to it if you want to hear it or get fresh on it. Now I'm going to play you Teal Swan. Actually, I'll play you both back to back. I'm going to play you a 30-second clip of the mom and a 30-second clip of the daughter. Here we go. Yeah. Sexual rituals, compassionate rituals, and destructive rituals. According and many to more. Those are three. Well, those are the three those main the ones three. that Anton right. talks about. Right. In now, the Satanic Bible. Zena, uh, these are the three put forth, put forth in the Satanic Bible. Describe them. To destruction ritual. What is a destruction ritual? 
Well, we believe in vengeance. We don't believe in turning the other cheek. You keep turning the other cheek and you run out of cheeks. We feel that if you are wronged in some way, that you take it out with the person responsible, whether that's directly or indirectly, whether that's actually going to the person and addressing the problem or the issue specifically, or whether it's working it out through ritual. Okay, now I'm going to play you Teal Swan. Now, according to the history books, she was born Mary Teal Bosworth, June 16, 1984. She's a American cult leader and author, a number of publications, including E! Online, The Guardian, and BBC, noted some of Swan's teaching methods on how to manage mental health issues have been found detrimental and manipulative. Um, she was supposedly born here in New Mexico in Santa Fe and then moved to Utah, where her satanic ritual abuse began. You could think of vibration in terms of negative and positive. There are a billion different frequencies within that range. But what's most important when you're thinking about increasing your vibration is that you distinguish between what a negative vibration is and what a positive vibration is. And the way you're going to know that... I'm not going to make you listen to that trash, but... <laughs> Does that not just sound the same person? I, to me, I... Yeah. I, crazy. So now let's... Let's talk about Taylor Swift real quick. Story with our good old friend Taylor goes that she was born December 13th, 1989. So if her mom is Zena, she would have been 26 years old at the time. And she, you know, has that same Hollywood story. She was discovered at 14 by a guy that wanted to start a record company and the rest is history. <laughs> I call bullshit. But I don't want to talk too much about Taylor Swift because I don't really care about it. I never have. But I do want to bring up the fact that there is some interesting articles about her concert right now. And let's read some of those. The first one is a concert that's going on right now. Which if you have children, I hope you're not taking them there. The headline reads, Bizarre Warning for Taylor Swift Era's Tour Ticket Holder Goes Out as Experts Say the Concert Will Be Physically Demanding. Taylor Swift fans can expect to get their workout on during their highly anticipated Eras Tour in February of next year. A study conducted by Pure Gym revealed the pop star's 33 high-energy show may just be the most physical, demanding concert to attend. Oh gosh, do you not see all the freaking evil Illuminati satanic signs? And, you know, the reason we say the Illuminati is... And it's associated with Satanism because you, they do Satanic ritual abuse. All of them. They're trained to do it. And the higher up you are in the Illuminati, the more you've already sold your soul. So you really don't care. Um, so, yeah, they're basically saying that you get ready because this is going to be a real demanding concert. And then you go to these other headlines and it reads that she's accused of promoting witchcraft and Satanism. This is all in April. Apparently from the beginning to the end of April. Even a month ago it says, Taylor Swift tour state house witchcrafts are blamed for climate of fear. Taylor gets accused and this is unlaid. So, you know, that's no Christian headline here. Taylor Swift gets accused of promoting witchcraft and satanic rituals on her era's tour. This is, that was unlaid right there. Pop culture. Taylor Swift accused of promoting witchcraft and Satanism on tour. So they're like letting y'all know. My daughter went to two concerts that I didn't want her to go to with her dad last year. And one of them was Alice in Chains. And in one of the Alice in Chains songs that I used to sing. And now think of that Alice in Chains. I want to know who the Alice was that was in Chains that that Satanist man's after. And in one of their songs, it literally says, 
Jesus and his last, you know, his last name, it's really not his last name, but Jesus, the uh, Messiah, deny your maker. So even they know, they want people to deny their maker, the peace sign. When they take it and they do these rituals, they have the kid break the cross on the hand, on the sides and throw it down. And then they throw it around and it's a peace sign, guys. It's not about that, it's from Nils. So it's up to you to believe what's in front of your face or not. And pray about it. Like, say, God, will you show me what I need to know, what I need to protect my kids from? Because we're going to pray over our children that have all been attacked and us as parents over our lives by this agenda and we've been completely unaware of it going along with it playing this music in our cars on and on and on you know when I gave my life to God the first thing that changed was the way I heard music it was the first thing it was crazy for example I used to love this song called Automobile by NWA and then one day because back then when I gave my life to God it wasn't that easy to access music I heard the song and I went to turn it up because I was like, oh, I remember this. I like this song. Uh, I had to just turn it off. I was like, this is disgusting. I can't believe I used to like the song. Driving around, like treating, degrading myself as a woman singing this song. Like, really? <sighs> so, you know, everybody can change. My mom says everybody can change, but some people not that much. <laughs> but if you're a Satanist and you give your life to Jesus, those are such cool testimonies. So I want to play you one of those. Uh, I decided I will make this a two-part series because I'm gonna make it's gonna get to two hours on this thing. So I'm gonna split it at an hour and an hour, and I'm gonna play you now a clip from Zena's movie Marilyn Manson, the superstar. I'm gonna just play you a clip from Marilyn Manson on that. But I'm sorry, not Marilyn, Charles Manson. I have a feeling they're somehow connected or tied together. Maybe it's one of his sons. Maybe Charles Manson had Marilyn Manson and that's why he showed up at the Church of Satan as a young kid because his daddy went back to prison. I have no idea. Again, more conspiracy theories because this one runs deep. Um, but Charles Manson, who didn't kill anybody, <laughs> I have to keep saying that, is very uh, looked up to in the Church of Satan for some reason and lots and lots and lots of movies are done about him. And... Uh, it's just all interesting. So I'm going to play you what Charlie says in this documentary that you can play find free online, which the link will be in my description box below. And then I'm going to play you a testimony from a high up guy in the Church of Satan that left and now he's just an amazing speaker. And we will end it there. Well, we'll end it with prayer like we always do. So here we go. Before I, before I play this interview with Charlie, um, guess what his prisoner number was, guys? B three three nine two zero. You don't mind if I don't sit down, do you? This is the only chance I get to, to come around unhandcuffed. For over 40 years, Manson has survived most of his life in what he calls the hallways of the always, the reform schools, jails, and prisons that have been his home and his tomb. His thought was born in the darkness of the whole of solitary confinement. Apart from time, beyond the pale of society. In his cell, he created his own world and speaks his own language, where he has discovered that there is only the mind. Oh, right wherever I am. Because I don't really move. If I'm here, I'm here. If I move over here, I'm still here. If I move over there, I'm still there. And in other words, wherever I go, I'm still there. I call it Pice. Pice, I'm from Pice. I'm a lichen. We're lichens. Well, I like you, you know, 
you look all right to me. You dig what I'm saying? So I accept you as a lichen. So when I accept you as a lichen, you're like kin to me. Because I never had a family, you see. So you're like my kin. You're like kin to me. You know, and I accept you completely and totally into that. All the way through your mother's relationships and your father's relationships. All the little relationships that you guys have. I didn't have that because I was over here in reform school, boys school. I had the relationship of the guys over here in boys school, over on the basketball court. The basketball court is my kingdom. Always has been. Because I ruled it from solitary confinement. Do you think that's your destiny? Not to... No, it ain't destiny. It's just me staying alive. It's my life. In other words, we all do what we have to do to survive, right? Well, you know, you put a child down here, now I've survived this long, you know. I'm 40, I'm over 40 years in prison, I've survived. And I've survived you. Manson claims that the so-called straight world outside of prison is but an inverted reflection of the underworld in which he has lived. To him... The reality that presidents and law-abiding citizens accept begins in the hermetic, alternate universe of criminals, cons, and outlaws. But Elvis Presley was only the shadow that was playing up over somebody that was dying in a hole down in Brushy Mountain, Tennessee. Or someone that was over in the solitary confinement in, uh, in uh, you see what I'm saying? In other words, the real Humphrey Bogart and the real James Cagney are actors. I mean, the ones you know, the real ones, they died in here. You know, in other words, we die so that you guys can play act this. In other words, we got to be the bad guys so you guys can be the good guys, you dig? But in reality, we know that you're not the good guys, that you guys are worse than we are. You dig what I'm saying? Which is acceptable because we're outlaws. I'm, I'm a reflection of, you take a little baby and you put him in the penitentiary and you raise him up. I'm Richard Milhouse Nixon. I'm Richard Milhouse Nixon. You dig what I'm saying? But I'm him down here under the ground, man. I've had to do all the fighting while he gets up there and takes all the bows, dig? I got to carry the motherfucker while this fat sack, sack of shit won't let me call my old lady while his old lady tells him, shut up! So, if you want to learn more about Charlie, as I always do, because I find him to be a very interesting character in history, I find it interesting that he wrote all the music for a lot of the, you know, people out there. It's just crazy. Um, yeah, and that the Church of Satan's daughter and her husband would spend so much time and effort putting out all these different things about Charlie. So, I would, I'm going to see what they put out. Um, that's a... We, you know, an hour and 46 minutes still to go on that thing. So with that being said, let's listen to how Jesus can save anyone, even these creepy Satanists. All right, here we get. I want you to imagine being a priest in the Satanic church and in the middle of doing a ritual, you encounter the love of God and the power of Jesus. This is exactly what happened to Rion, who is the co-founder of the South African Satanic Church, Satanic Temple. And in May, he had an encounter with God that he's going to share in this video. Guys, this is an amazing testimony. If you've been online for the last few days, you've probably seen this floating around. So, the important part of, of my experience is that in the middle of May, last, it's about yeah, two months ago, I did my last interview 
for the sort of African Satanic Church, not knowing that that would be my last radio interview that I'm doing. Um, and I, and I, most people know about the interview. It was it was a Cape talk. And there's a woman who works there. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, I didn't speak to her before this video, so I'm not sure if I can mention her name. I'm just going to call her Amy. So Amy has been communicating with me about media stuff, about the South African Satanic Church over such a long period of time. And we never met in person because of COVID and all the interviews was online, etc. So I did this interview and after the interview, this lady came to me. And in this interview, I said, I don't believe in Jesus. And I don't believe that Jesus Christ exists because I didn't and she came to me after the interview after I said that and she hugged me and she held me in a way that I've never so powerful been loved That's all she did. She didn't say anything. She just said, it's nice to finally meet you in person. And she just hugged me and she held me. And a week later, through WhatsApp, through a status, I saw this woman is a Christian. I couldn't believe it because I've never... Literally her hugging you. ...had a Christian do that. I've never had, I've never experienced... A Christian showing that much love and acceptance unconditionally. After I've said the things I've said, she did that. And it stayed with me. I, I just like, I said, oh, okay, cool. She's a Christian, whatever. And then a week later, and I don't want to, I don't want to talk about Satanism. I don't want to listen to what he's about to say here, guys. About the details of it, but in the occult, there is certain rituals that you do. So he's talking about rituals. To ascend now. to the top of a pyramid, and you can only do a certain amount at a time. And after that interview, after that interview, I had a meeting with council members at the, at the church, and they said, okay, great, now we've done all these interviews and people know and it's growing, Satanism is growing and believe me people it is, it's growing. And I had to do a ritual by myself to see what is the next step? What is the next thing? How do I get more, more power, more influence? And I did this ritual and I opened myself up and Jesus Wow, in the middle of a ritual appeared. And I was extremely cocky and I said, whatever. If you are Jesus, you need to prove it.
he flooded me with the most beautiful love and energy. And I recognized it immediately because that woman at the radio station showed it to me. That's how I recognized the love of Christ. Apparently in all the years of him being a Satanist and a public Satanist, other Christian he met was a jerk. And that just makes me so convicted. Because even in this podcast, I'm like, these, and you know what? These people are lied to by Satan. They're lied to and they're not loved and they're ritually abused. And we as Christians, I hope that hit you as hard as it did me because by judging and it's not going to change anything. We can do this battle way better. One, we got to stop fighting with each other within the church. Two, we got to recognize the wolves in sheep's clothing, who's running our churches, what the Illuminati is, what SRA is, that it's very alive and well and always been there. And then we can start to recognize who they are and then we can call them out. And it doesn't have to be like, hey, I'm going to box you because you're worshiping. It's like, hey, that message you just gave, brother, sounded a little demonic. Are you okay with God right now? I don't know if they're like faking to be Christian, like a, like my Billy Graham episode, or let's say it's somebody that's like happy to be Satan. I love that approach that that lady gave was a hug. Like she knew that man just needed a hug. And maybe we just need to pray every time we come into a situation with somebody to give them a hug. There's so many times I see people out of their mind on the streets of Albuquerque and I just start praying for them because I do not know what kind of demonic attack they're under. Can you imagine the way Jesus handled things when he walked and people knew people were crazy and he was like, no, those are demons. And he went up and he cast the demons out and the people were restored back to full mental health. Do you see that everybody that practices witchcraft eventually has a really destructive ending? If it's not mental health, it's something else. Physical. These people, it's a real thing. These demons are real. Witchcraft's real. Jesus is real. Everything's real, guys. And we got to quit acting like it's not. The only thing that's not real is Joe Biden right now. <laughs> I don't know who the hell he is, but he's wearing a mask. And he, I, you know, I don't think the real Joe Biden's alive, but somebody's running the show. And I, if you really think about this on just a side note before I pray, if he was really running the show, America would be bombed by now because every country sees how stupid this dude is. So they must know something we don't. That's all I'm saying. All right. Dear Father God, you know everything, and I thank you for that. And you love everybody you created. And you created these children that got thrown into this SRA abuse, and you're freeing them left and right, Lord. And I just pray that you open their mouths for truth, and that they, even Zena and all the Anton LaVey's kids that are still alive, instead of having obituaries, basically happy that he's going to hell you know change their heart show them the truth they don't even believe in hell lord so somehow just show them i don't know how you're god you show them but as a christian when i encounter these people or as i continue on these podcasts help me to speak better help me to speak in a way that's more loving more kind a way that can get through to everybody not just my brothers and sisters in christ but people who oppose christ people who oppose what i say i just pray lord that you just keep uh, my voice going as long as you want it to go. I pray that I do your will and your way and not anything less. I pray as we expose this darkness that we understand that we must reveal truth as your word says. 
but we also need to be covered and protected by your your armor. And I'm going to read those two Bible verses as we end this. And Lord Jesus, I ask, I pray for every child, including us as adults, anybody listening that's ever been to a satanic, demonic ritual concert. I pray that those shackles of Satan are immediately loosened and released off of our lives and that we can now fill that space up with you and your light. And I pray that you just release good artists that are no longer controlled by the satanic agenda, that the media is exposed for the Satanists they are, and that we can have this new life that I believe we can have. You know, I just truly believe that, Lord Jesus. I truly believe that. I believe you are not done with America. I believe you are not done yet with this world. And I believe you're going to win the Satan agenda that they think they're winning. And I cut every single tie that they have right now on every single uh, grip that they have with the schools, with the media, with cartoons, with the uh, social media, everything. I just cut their communist, Luciferian agenda ties right off of it. And I thank you so much for the protection you give your children and the joy and the lack of fear and the peace that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' name. Ephesians 5, verse 8. Walk in the light. For you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. We have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And it goes on, but for lack of time, we're going to skip on and armor up. Ephesians 6. Verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but are against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having gritted your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having put on your feet the preparation, <laughs> sorry guys, put on your feet the gospel of peace. And above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all, not just some, all, the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, all supplication and all the saints. Okay, guys, we're armored up. We prayed up. We're good for the week. This is such a long episode. Now you got two. So that's cool. And I'll see you next week. God bless you. And I think we're going to stop with the Illuminati and we're going to talk about um, that jerk that I can't think of his name right now that I'm going to research. Yeah, he's next. Kenneth Anger. We'll talk about him next week, all his ties, and then we'll see where God leads us.